we owe that to our profession. And I don't, it doesn't matter whether it's the profession of coaching or the profession of teaching or the profession of being a doctor or a lawyer. I think we all need to share what we know and help one another be the best that we can be in that chosen endeavor. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast with your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. You'll hear authentic, entertaining stories with tips, lessons, and wisdom from champions to inspire, motivate, and educate you. You'll get the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. We have a really inspirational show for you today. We're going to be talking about achieving excellence, and we have an interview with the legendary coach, Mark Bernardino. He was the head swimming coach at the University of Virginia for 30 years, and for the last several years, he has actually been in an assistant coach position, spending some time at the University of South Carolina and now at North Carolina State University. He is absolutely one of the top coaches that's been around for over 40 years on the Division I pool deck. Before that, he spent time as a Division I swimmer himself. Uh, his accolades are just beyond compare. He's won 27 ACC championships. He was uh, He's put a swimmer on the U.S. Olympic team every year since 1996, and he's had many, many NCAA uh, individual champions, relay titles, and uh, – He's just a, a great coach, but most importantly, he is just a great human being, and you are going to so enjoy the wisdom that he brings to this interview, whether you are a swimmer or not. So um, before we start that interview, I want to welcome Maria. It is great to have you here. How are you today? I'm doing great, Kelly. I am so excited about this Mark Bernardino interview. Coach Dino is amazing. He's so wise, and our listeners really have something to look forward to. Wonderful. Well, we are going to get right into this interview because there is so much here. And when we come back, we will talk about what our takeaways are. So enjoy this uh, road trip segment. And now it's time for the road trip segment. Welcome to the show, Mark Bernardino, better known to those who love him as Coach Dino. Welcome. Hi, Kelly. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, we're I'm so grateful and honored that you've granted me this interview because I know um, you have been around the coaching community as long as I can remember. And one of the things that I'm so interested in talking with you about is that you know, I, I remember seeing you on the pool deck when I was a high school swimmer, 16, 17-year-old high school swimmer, and your enthusiasm and passion on that pool deck was the same when I was 17, and now fast forward 40 years later, I'm aging myself and you, <laughs> but um, fast forward, I just saw you a month ago on the pool deck at NCAAs, and you have the identical energy and passion from 40 years. How do you maintain that? The most important thing is I love what I do. I love coming to work every day. I enjoy being around young people. They 
they give vibrancy to my life and to play a small part or a small role in helping them develop and helping them become the people that they will be, which will be even better people than when I get to work with them when they're 18 to 22 or 18 to 23. That's what motivates me. That's what brings joy to my life. And it, the most joy comes from seeing them excel and seeing them take pride in what they accomplish. And so if you were going to look back over your career as a coach and take the techniques that you learned as an athlete, how would you apply some of the things that you learned as Mark Bernardino, the swimmer, to Mark Bernardino, the coach? I think one of the most important things that I always tried to do was remember the things that I liked in coaches and use those in my coaching theory or my coaching philosophy. So I, I grew up in a time when you didn't have to be a one-sport athlete. So during my the years of my youth, I played baseball uh, and football and swam. Then in high school, when I was literally too small to play football, um, even though it was my favorite sport, um, I started running track and cross country to supplement my swimming. So I had a lot of different coaches influencing me in a lot of different manners. And I also, as a coach, carefully watched the opposition coaches. I tried to see how they spoke with their athletes, how they treated their athletes. I asked questions of their athletes. What did the coach just say to you? What was the meaning behind that conversation? What did you hear? Um, so I, I knew deep down in my heart that I wanted to coach. So I was starting to build a library of knowledge from the time I was 12 or 13 until the time I literally began coaching college athletes. I'm also the son of a high school wrestling coach. So watching how my father influenced high school-aged athletes in a different sport, um, that helped me develop and be fascinated by the science of coaching. That is awesome. I love it. Do you have any stories that you could share that might have led you in the direction of coaching? I think I've got a couple, Kelly. Um, I remember as a youngster sitting on the team bench of my, fa <clears throat> my father's high school team. He would allow me to sit on the bench. So I would watch what he would say to the wrestlers as they prepared to go out for their matches. And he was a very soft-spoken man, very gentle, very kind. Um, but he was a brilliant coach and he was a brilliant technician. And he was, he believed in repetition, 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 and perfecting the little nuances of the sport. As I got older and was affected more by and influenced by other coaches, I became, I read a lot and watched a lot of Vince Lombardi, a completely opposite coaching character than my father, a loud, gregarious, um, outspoken, powerful personality. Um, and so I read a lot about Vince Lombardi. I read books that were written about him. I, I would um, watch TV tapes of him coaching on the sidelines. And I was trying to figure out which is the right approach to take as a coach. <laughs> but I remember when I finished my 
ACC swimming career. Um, I was the favorite to win the mile my senior year, and I finished second. And I, I was disappointed when I touched the wall. But when I climbed out of the pool and looked up, the first person that I saw was Coach Don Easterling. And at that time, he was coaching NC State and had this marvelous team, the, the perennial champions. And when I climbed out of the pool, he came over and put his arm around me and shook my hand. And he said, I want to congratulate you on an unbelievable career and thank you for being the kind of athlete you've been in this conference. And that stuck with me that the opposing coach, the, the, the legendary coach in our conference, A, that he even noticed me, and B, that he would take the time to come over and congratulate an athlete on another team. When I started coaching uh, in 1978 as a head coach, and really young and wet behind the ears, the first person I called was Don Easterling. And I said, Coach, I know we're in the same conference. I know we're opponents. Is there any chance that you could be my mentor, that I could call you once a month and just ask you questions and learn more about our sport? And he said, I would appreciate that very much if you would do that. And so that began to this very day. Coach is 87 now. He's still my go-to guy. Um, I'll call him and pick his brain and talk to him about what I'm doing and listening to advice that he might have. And the other person that I called was Doc Councilman. And I asked him the same questions. Doc, might I call you once a month? And he was the single most legendary coach. And I was completely prepared for a, no, I don't have time for you. And the response was immediate, yes, that would be awesome. Let me help mentor you. Let me help teach you and talk to you and help you learn the sport of swimming. So those two men were gracious enough to allow me to call upon them for advice and help. And um, I never forgot that. And I've always felt that every coach should pay back and give back to young coaches who want to learn or coaching peers that we should be free and comfortable talking about how we do things, why we do things, um, because we should be growing our profession. And that's what those guys taught me. Wow. I am having to get a Kleenex out here because um, that's that's so moving. And it's it's what our listeners need to hear about mentorship, how important, you know, just taking that part of athletics of finding a mentor and putting them in your real life. And, and I'm tearing up because, you know, I had the good fortune of swimming for coach Don Easterling. And I, I find that, um, you know, what you've said about him is not a surprise. I, I adore the man and he, he made me an all American, which I was not prior to swimming for him. So that is, that is a very cool story. And I, and I want to trade my story back with you is when I was a division one head coach at South Carolina and you were at UVA, you mentored me. You were one of the few coaches that was actually um, kind and open and shared with me. And uh, I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that, but that's, we owe that to our profession. And I don't, it doesn't matter whether it's the profession of coaching or the profession of teaching or the profession of being a doctor or a lawyer. I think we all need to share what we know and help one another be the best that we can be in that chosen endeavor. 
Do you think that has to do with the law of abundance versus scarcity, or how do you how do you shape that? Well, that's a that's a pretty sterling question. Um, <laughs> I don't think we have an abundance of great coaches. I don't think we have an abundance of great lawyers. I don't think we have an abundance of great teachers or doctors. But I think we have to work towards having that abundance of great professionals in all walks of life. And I don't think we can ever get there unless people who are deemed to be or so noted because of their accomplishments, unless they're willing to come to come down to earth and teach those who strive to be in that to that who strive to reach that next level of excellence. So it's important for for our scientists. If if we hid science from one another, we would never advance. Whether it's medical science, whether it's physical science, we have to share those things. So computer science, we can't keep it a secret. We have to open it up to the next generation of coaches, of teachers, of doctors, of lawyers, of scientists. We have to open up, we have to share, we have to help them be better than we ever were. Gosh, I love it. And I so after, you know, all these decades of of coaching champions, um, have you noticed a thread of commonalities or things that people could, you know, have strive to Develop to become champions. We're, you know, we may or may not be talking to athletes. We may or may not be talking to swimmers, but maybe somebody that's just wants to run their first 5K, needs to lose 50 pounds, wants to start a business. What, what have you noticed as a, a commonality of, of winners? Okay, we we addressed this prior to our conversation, um, and I tried to think through some of the the common threads that make. The greatest champions. Um, humility. Every great champion that I've ever worked with seems to be humble and they don't they don't puff up their chests and walk down the street and say, I'm the best of the best. But rather the best of the best that I've worked with share that common trait of humility. They're um, they're just humble men and women who appreciate the gift that they've been given. Uh, and speaking of that gift, they have all been unafraid to push that gift, to push that talent level to the highest degree. Um, there are many great athletes out there, um, many talented people in many walks of life, but the ones that reach the top of the mountain are the ones that are, are unafraid to push their talent to the to the extremes, uh, and that's a hard thing to do. We both know that as athletes, it's really really hard to put yourself into that place um, where your where your mind says no, and your body says no, but somehow you turn that around and you push your mind pushes your body to go to that next rung on the ladder, and and before you realize it, you've climbed three rungs on the ladder, so. Humility, the ability to, to, to push your talent level to the highest extremes. Thankfulness. I think great athletes are thankful and thoughtful. They, they appreciate 
their parents, they appreciate their siblings, they appreciate their teammates, they appreciate their coaches, the people that help them maximize their abilities, they, they are truly thankful for um, the help that's been provided to them and the sacrifices that were made on their behalf by, by others. Um, and I think that's important. Confidence. I think there's an inner quality, an inner confidence. It doesn't have to be boastful, but there's a confidence. And, and some people confuse confidence with arrogance. But to me, um, the, the good athletes, the ones that are champions, they know the difference between confidence and arrogance. Um, and they're able to walk that confident walk and to train with that confidence and to think with that confidence and to act with that confidence. And um, that's a trait to me that all, whether it's an inner confidence or an outer confidence, it's still a critical trait to have for success. And it can be either. Um, passion, which I think as a coach, I owe passion to my athletes. I can't come to practice and not be passionate about what I do. If I'm not passionate about being there and I don't share that passion with them, I have no right to expect them to give it back. So to me, the great athletes have a passion. They have it. They have there's a thrill in the game right and when they when they come to practice or whether they compete that passion is on display some of them will display that passion more when the lights get bright on saturday than maybe they do on monday through friday but there once that passion light is turned on there's no turning it off so i think the, the great ones all have that that passion, um, enthusiasm—you gotta have that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk the walk, talk the talk, dream the dream, and be enthusiastic with in how you approach it. Um, and the last two two things I'll talk to you about are mental and physical toughness. Um, and you can separate the two of those. Some athletes are mentally tough. Some athletes are physically tough. The best athletes are both mentally and physically tough. Um, and you can, you can see that. You can see, I truly believe you can see that in people. I also truly believe you can develop that in athletes. Athletes can become mentally and physically tougher than they were the year before or the month before or the week before if they have if they have the resolve to do so. That's not something any of us are born with. We're not born mentally tough. We're not born physically tough. Those are acquired traits. And if you're willing to work hard to develop those traits, chances are you'll become better than you ever thought you could become. What do you, what tips would you give someone to become mentally tougher? Um, wow. <laughs> Listen to me when I yell at you. <laughs> um, listen to your coaches when they tell you you're capable of doing more than you think you can do. Let somebody else guide you through that process. Don't try to necessarily guide yourself through it, but if a loved one, if a teacher, if a mentor, if a coach tells you there's more inside of you, trust. I love trust it. that. 
because I don't think people say ask you to do more than you're capable of doing in life. So when somebody asks you to overcome something, to do something better, to believe in in a characteristic or a trait that you have to a higher level, have faith in that because nobody will ask you if they don't believe it themselves. So find motivation, find a way to be physically or mentally tougher. If a teacher, if a parent, if a brother, if a sister, if a coach, if a boss asks you to do something better, it's because they care about you and they believe in you. That's why. It's not because they're blowing smoke at you or they got it's pie in the sky. It's because they see it. And it's a lot easier for sometimes for people on the outside to see it than for you to realize it on the inside. That's so beautiful and so true that some you know, sometimes we don't see it ourselves because we're you know, the inner voice can be negative. The inner so, voice is, e- it's easier to be negative than it is to be positive. So trust, trust. I have a little story. It's a story I like to tell, actually, and I, I try to tell it to, to young kids every summer in swim camps. It's about two different athletes, both world-class athletes. Um, one an Olympic gold and silver medalist, another uh, a world champion, silver medalist, and Pan American Games champion. Um, and these one boy God gave incredible talent to and the other one he didn't give so much talent to Um, but they both achieved at these magnificently high levels one lived by the slogan dream big and everything that he did was grandiose and the dream was big and the goal was bodacious And um, the effort level in everyday training was very, very high. Um, And he always said, if I dream big, I'll accomplish big. Um, And he did. He went on to set world records and win Olympic medals and to become one of the all-time greats. And he was confident. Um, He was not as mentally and physically tough, though, as this other guy. So other guy didn't get all the natural talent, the natural gift, the natural feel for the water, the natural athleticism. Um, But what he got was a mind and a spirit that wouldn't quit. And he always said, anybody can dream big. Who cares if you dream? And these two gentlemen were wound up being teammates for a little bit. (laughs) Anybody can dream big. But what good is it to dream big if you're not willing to work the dream? So his... One slogan, one motto was dream big. The other slogan, the other motto was work the dream. You can't just dream big. You have to work to make the dream come true. So through perseverance, through persistence, through discipline, through mental and physical toughness, through repetition, through failure, this other gentleman, this the work the dream guy, who I'm not afraid to mention his name. His name is Fran Crippen and the Other one is Ed Moses. Um, They both accomplished their dreams. They both lived their sport at the highest level, but they both did it different ways. They did it with different mindsets. They both were physically tough. They were both mentally tough, Um, but they argued the merits of dreaming the dream and dreaming big versus the merit of work that dream to make that dream come true. Um, One incredibly gifted one made the 
the gift come true because he 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 worked it to the highest level that he could possibly pursue excellence. A lot of fun to to be in a room with those two guys and to to see their confidence, to see how their confidence worked, to see how their mental and physical tools um, drove both of them to the top of the mountain. And you coached both of them. Yeah, right? I did. Yes, I was, yes. So I could at least I can tell you with some certainty that this is a true story. Yes, and you're you're honoring the number one, which is humility of the champion there. So in in helping people deal with everyday challenges that we have in life, I have to touch on Fran Crippen and your relationship with him. And it's gonna be a tough one, but um I lost my mom last year. And I lost Beth Emery, my best friend and fellow NC State swim captain with me, actually five years apart on the same day. Um, So those were the first two real huge personal losses that I've had in my life. Um, And when I heard of Fran Crippen's passing, I immediately thought of how hard it was on you. And um, what what advice can you give to someone who's dealing with a loss like that? What did you go through when when you lost Fran? Yeah, that was probably some of the hardest times of my life because Fran was a member of our family. He, he spent an inordinate amount of time with my sons. Um, he was in our house a lot. He's from Philadelphia. I'm from Philadelphia. We had a lot of sports connections. We did a lot of things, watch the Eagles together on Sundays. Um, I remember when he first came, he said, you know, you have two sons and I've got three sisters. Can I kind of adopt those as my little brothers? And he would come over and beat those boys up and they would play in the backyard. They would play basketball or football and he would never let them win. And I remember my youngest son crying one time saying, friend never lets me win, dad. He never lets me win at anything. He stuffs me in basketball. He tackles me in football. And I said, that's what big brothers do. They don't let little brothers win. They make them better by teaching them how to, how to, how to be tough. Um, and Fran was the work, the dream one. If for anybody that didn't know, Fran was the work, the dream, and Ed was yeah. the dream big. Ed was the dream big. Um, but the, some of the most difficult moments in my life, and it's difficult. I miss him every day. But I also have decided to thank my lucky stars that he was a presence in my life. And that's how I feel when I think of my mom and dad, too, who've passed. Be grateful for and thankful for what they taught me and the influence they had on me um, and all of the happy and positive moments they brought to my every day. Uh, so I and my images are fortunately are nothing but positive, happy, strong, powerful images um, of Fran. And that's how they'll always be. And um he comes from an incredible family, one of the, the, the great swimming families, a family of uh, champion mother, champion father, champion sisters, not because they swam fast, but their people, their, their character, their work ethic, their, um, their love of life and their enthusiasm for others and their willingness to help others. And so whenever I think of Fran, I only think of great positive things and I'm, I'm thankful for his for his influence not on just me but 
millions of others. Much like you probably feel about Beth Emery and 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 your your mom too. Yeah, and I think that is that's beautiful. Just honoring their memory and just the story you just told continues. He lives on, and um, for those people listening that didn't know who Fran was or how he died, um, I did not know Fran at all. I did not have that that um, good fortune in my life to know him personally. Of course, I looked up to his swimming, and he and me being an open water swimmer, he was an awesome open water swimmer. And one thing, whether it's right or wrong or not, but I just remember thinking that he, he did pass away doing what he loved. And that, you know, for, again, for those listeners that didn't know how Fran died, he was swimming an open water race and, um, had some kind of a medical incident and, and passed away in that race. So he was doing what he loved. And that somehow gave me a little solace, just a small little bit of solace that it was doing what he loved. Did you think about that? Quite a bit. And, and I remember his mom asking me, do you think he suffered? And I said, I told Pat, no, I, I don't believe there was any suffering there. I think um, Fram, he, he met his Lord doing what he loved to do. I totally agree with you. And I, I, I think that's, you know, we, we joke about the ways we want to go, but that's what I've always said even before Fran passes. Just let me be face down in the water when I go because um, so I'm so thankful that you told a Fran Crippen story. I didn't even have that on my list to talk about, but um, just very inspirational. His life, your life, the way they connected. So that's a great champion story. Um, I don't want to keep you too long today, but I've heard about a couple of legendary things for you and just enlightening up the mood a little bit. Is it true that you do 200 push-ups a day? Yeah, I'm down to 200. I used to do a little bit more, but I'm getting back. I'm, um, I'm going to build myself back up. My, uh, for several years, I did 300 a day. Um, but I How, got, how, how, how? <laughs> I do them in sets, anywhere from sets of... Uh, right now, I'm doing sets of 20 to 30. When I was a little bit better shape, I would do sets of 30 to 40. And the first thing I do when I get out of bed is a set of push-ups. The alarm goes off. I set it. I have to get out of bed to walk to my alarm, turn it off, drop down, and bang out a set of 20 to 30 push-ups to start the morning, brush my teeth, and do 20 or 30 more. Then it's a good start to the day. I love it. That's beautiful. And so the other um, thing that I've heard that you have come up with, something called the law of the ease. The law and of the, <laughs> the... It used to be the law of the seven E's. Okay. It is now the law of the eight E's. Just this past season, uh, working here at NC State with Braden Holloway and, and the Wolfpack swimmers and staff, one of the things that... Uh, most impressed me was the constant amount of encouragement from coaches to athletes and athlete to athlete. So I added the eighth E to my law of the seven E's. But what it basically is, is effort, emotion, energy, enthusiasm, excitement, execution, and now the word encouragement. If you blend all of those together, the end result is excellence. So that's my law of the set of the eight E's. If you combine effort, emotion, energy, enthusiasm, excitement, execution, and encouragement, you do all those things to the highest degree, the highest level possible, your end result will be excellence. And that's what we all hope to find in life is excellence. 
I love it. And that's what champions find. And um, that is just, that is really awesome. And for those listening, we will put those in the show notes. So you don't have to make notes on that. We will put that down below this, um, this podcast. So last question for you um, is what would you say if you could say anything to anyone listening, just, you know, it's just an open forum about being a champion in their own life. I mean, obviously you've touched on amazing stuff, but have I missed anything that you would want to add to what people should to do to, to reach their dreams and be a champion? I think you should end every day thinking of at least one thing you did well that day. Never go to bed unless you have found in your day one thing that you were proud of, one thing that made you feel good, and that's the way you should end your day. I love it. Well, uh, like I said, I could talk to you all day, but we, we do have a time limit on things, and I really appreciate your time, and thank you so much for being with us today, Coach Bernardino. Thank you, Kelly. It is wonderful to be with you always. You're special. Yes, you are special. All right. Thanks. So, Maria, how about that? Amazing. <laughs> really, really amazing. I don't know where to begin with the takeaways from that interview. Um, I, I was... I was so inspired, particularly from the get-go, about, well, your story and his and his comments on his passion. I mean, he, you said, you know, you're as passionate as you were 40 years ago. And, and he said later, I feel like I owe it to the swimmers to bring passion. Because if I want passion from them, I got to bring it. And, you know, I know just from day-to-day life, that's not easy. And he is so right. You know, if we bring passion, others will respond to us passionately. So I love that. What did you think, Kelly? Yes, I I was so mesmerized on and off about that. I, I think passion was the first touch point that he hit on. Then I was really moved by the mentorship and yeah. how how our listeners and me and anybody can really take the the idea that he reached out and here's what I, I want to paint this picture that he's a brand new coach. As he said, he's wet behind the ears. He reaches out to the two just top primo. coaches in the country, primo coaches, you know, Doc Councilman who coached Mark Spitz at Indiana and then Don Easterling at NC state and calls him and says, Hey, will you mentor me? And they both just say yes. And I think the take home message there is that people just need to ask that usually if someone will, you know, reach out and ask that you might just get a yes. So that was a huge takeaway for me that mentoring is so important in anything we want to do in life, whether that's, you know, an athletic goal, a business goal, a family goal, who is doing well at what you want to do and reach out to them. Yeah, and he and he was a little afraid. I mean, he you know he he thought they'd say no, and and they didn't. I I, I appreciated you know the authenticity of that story. It's like, well, I thought he'd probably say I don't have time, but he he didn't, and it's made a big difference. I think that that was a thread through the whole interview is receiving and giving help, you know, asking for it, and you know he. I was also very inspired about his story about learning how to coach, basically asking other other athletes, other swimmers, you know, watching his dad and studying Vince Lombardi. I mean, you you don't think of of um, of of the uh, education it requires to be a coach, but this guy educated himself, and maybe that's why he's such a good coach. 
Yes, there were, you know, there were a lot of threads. Um, Another one that I was very moved by was his idea of honoring uh, the people that we've lost by instead Mm -hmm. of thinking about the gaping hole that they've left in our lives about Mm -hmm. the it's it's kind of like seeing the glasses half full that the lucky uh, fortunate time that we had with them and that that was particularly helpful to you know me having lost um, you know my mom very recently and then my best friend and of course you lost your sister Jenny and mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. he was talking about losing Fran Crippen and just mm-hmm. kind of just hearing you know from a wise person um, you know that hey we just just focus on what they brought to your life yeah that that was beautiful um, he 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 really uh spoke in such a way about that loss that that y- you felt consoled yourself <laughs> i can imagine he would he he really helped their family um with with that as well so yeah he, that was beautiful another thing that i loved that he that he talked about was allowing he talked about mental toughness and yes. physical toughness yes. and and yes. allowing other people and Kelly, you've always done this for me, allowing other people to tell you, you can do this because, you know, it's hard. It's hard to do that from inside sometimes. And if you have a teacher or a coach or a sister or, you know, a friend who says you can't do this, allow them to tell you that. Allow that to become, you know, your own, your own mantra, your own t- toughness. Allow other people and essentially other people to instill that in you. I thought that was a beautiful lesson. That I, you know, I knew that you and I would both find that that was my favorite thing in the whole um, Mm -hmm. conversation was that when I asked him, how, how does one become mentally tough? And he jokes, you know, well, listen to your coach. But he then he said, or your teacher or your sister or your parents or someone that can see this potential in you. And I loved it. And yeah, that's why we're doing this podcast. That's what we've been to each other. Um, you are the voice in my head when I have something hard. I just hear you telling me that I can do it. And I don't know why I can't tell myself. And I let you tell me and I believe you, but I don't believe me. So yeah. I think that I think was that's, just. That's that's a commonality. It's certainly true for me. If, you know, you've done that. My husband's done that so many. I have done so many things because he said, you can do that. And I thought, I can't do that. And the same thing with you, Kelly. You've said, you know, Maria, you can become a runner. You, you know, I mean, and I was like, really? Like an athlete? Because as, you know, as I've said before, I'm a, I'm an adult onset athlete and I didn't really believe it. And, and Kelly was the one who said, no, yeah, you're, no, you are. Stop, and start calling yourself an athlete. You're the one who said, start calling yourself an athlete. Because I was like, no, yes. I just do running. And you know, she said, nope, you're an athlete. <laughs> and, I've, well. and I've passed that on. And in, in the spirit of Mark Bernardino, I have passed that on to people that I exercise with. I've encouraged them to think of themselves as athletes. Yeah, I think that is, that is, for me, that was the real, real big one on that. Um, what about you? Anything else before we hit the Well, I mean, I, I, I will, I have to lie if, <laughs> if I didn't tell you how impressed I was by his little push-up routine. And obviously oh, the yeah. man is disciplined. His, his alarm clock is across the room. <laughs> You know, yes. he gets up, he does, he turns it off. He does his 25 or 30 push-ups. He brushes teeth. He does them more. And, you know, I, I, I'm, that just really inspired me. I told Jim about it. I said, we got, we got to start this routine. That sounds, that's, that sounds amazing. I, I, I really was 
was really delighted and inspired by that interview, Kelly. And I know you have what what else for you? Anything? Well, I like I think I said at the top of the interview, there's so much stuff here, and I I want to leave it with the um, you know the final thing that he said, which was just when you go to bed at night, just give yourself a pat on the back for one thing that you did that you yeah. were proud of and talk I about did that. You know, I did that we, last night. I yeah, loved it. We want to do confidence. You know, we, we want to build confidence, which builds um, action, which builds success. So that was the, you know, that was kind of the last thing. And, um, and then let's, before we go to the quote of the week, uh, let's on, on excellence, let's talk about one action item that we can take and it can be on anything that, that he kind of hit on here. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to go with what you just said because that actually made a huge um, impression on me, and I did it last night before I went to bed. I think we can so easily focus on our, our failures. And, you know, the last thing, often the last thing I'm thinking about as I'm drifting off to sleep is, you know, what I have to do or what I did wrong. And so I think changing an action item for me will be to change the last thought to something that I'm that I'm that I'm happy about. So that's my action item. I love it. I love it. And I would say I would go after the one where he said, "How does one become mentally tough?" And I would uh, say, if you want to become mentally tough, that a good action item you might want to try is to find someone. Maybe it's your barber or your hairstylist or <laughs> you know your sister-in-law it doesn't have to be a division one coach it can be and 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 you can always go out and hire a coach i mean there are plenty yeah, of coaches that, that online. Works. but um just have someone else's voice that is positive that's really going to support you when you you need to make that phone call and you're in doubt oh i just don't know if i can do this i've you know i have a friend that's just started a business and um, you know, she was telling me she's just overwhelmed by it and she doesn't know if she's going to be able to do it. She's got to do all kinds, you know, the LLC and the website and the name and the listing. And it's like, you can do it. You can do it. So hmm. just, you know, it could just be anybody that um, you trust and that can support you. So find that person, as Coach Bernardino said, that says, get moving <laughs> or you can do it. <laughs> So anyway, well, great. Um, great. Well, we'll go to the um, quote of the week now, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap up. The quote of the week is from legendary swim coach Mark Bernardino. We're not born mentally or physically tough. Those are acquired traits. And if you're willing to work hard to develop those traits, chances are you'll become better than you ever thought you could become. So, Maria, that is going to be a wrap on this show, which I promised was going to be inspiring. Do you think it was? It was incredibly inspiring. At least it inspired me. Awesome. Well, we hope it inspired our listeners, and we hope that you will listen again next week. Bye. Bye. We are so grateful that you spent this time with us today, and we hope that you heard something that inspired, motivated, and educated you. Signing off for myself and my champion co-host, Maria Parker, we hope you'll join us again soon, and we know you can be a champion. Thank you for listening, and please see below for a copy of the show notes for any links or important information that we've referenced here. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast, designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. 
Also, visit championsmojo.com to learn more.